if you're listening today thank you for tuning in you can probably already tell starting off a little differently it's a very special mother's day episode of the mega cast um i am joined today by natalie and dylan and it's just the three of us and we're going to talk about a unique relationship that we all share uh that some of you may know and some of you don't um but uh, all of our mothers have passed away and it's certainly not a club we wish on anyone but it certainly has pulled us all closer and perhaps knowing that fact <laughs> explains a little bit of of how well we operate together and and how close we are around this gym um there's nothing prepared for this you might be able to tell i'm sort of figuring out the words as they go it was really important to us to have this episode not necessarily sound different but to be approached a little differently uh, for it to be as organic as possible uh, to not create some storyline about it or to glorify anything about it but to just share our stories and should they spill out and have any sort of effect on you the listener that's just the icing on the cake to us so don't know 100 percent where this is going but i will tell you that we have tissues set up <laughs> ready to roll uh, you might want to grab a box as well uh, and if I'm being honest and in all fairness, like I would also prep for a little bit of dark humor because <laughs> as it goes, sometimes, uh, you do laugh your way through things and you can make some jokes about things that might be a little uncomfortable at times. So thank you for tuning in once again to another episode. Um, we hope you enjoy. Dylan. Natalie, you know I love you guys. Where do you want to start? I'm here and ready to cry. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Me too. Me too. Not to talk about it. Now I think that that part is almost like therapeutic. Like it. Just the three of us together have had enough conversations that. You know, we know each other. We know each other's stories. We're all at different stages of it, too, you know. So, not nervous to talk about it, but I don't know. It's you, the cactus chair. It's the cactus <laughs> chair. There, there's, there's an old meme that came across about uh, <laughs> working with, like, mindset that I showed Natalie one time. And, or Natalie showed me one time. And I was like what it feels like when I walk into my therapist's office and it just had this giant chair that was like a cactus. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. It's You know you're going to touch on and into some uncomfortable spots, but um, it's worth the share, I think. So, here we are. Um, I think a pretty cool thing I just learned recently. Um, your daughter's middle name is what? Christine. Why is that? 
because that was my mom's name. Yeah, that was my mom's name too. <laughs> that <laughs> was not my mom's name. <laughs> <laughs> what about middle name? Nope. No? no. Okay. Not even close. Okay. Rel- relatives? None. <laughs> None? Sorry. No? Yeah. Okay. Well, found that connection out pretty, yeah. pretty That's recent. That's a cool yeah. So, Dylan, you and me found this out about each other pretty early on. You, you joined the gym and... Uh, I remember I sent a message to the coaches after taking like one of your very first classes here. And I was like, Hey, I really like like Dylan's class. He, he did it a little differently than we do it. Um, you know, you were bringing in structure from old gyms or whatever. And you know, it just is a little different than how we did things. And I was like, but it was really, really good. Um, I think we're onto something with him, something along those lines, not word for word. And, um, you did. You just kind of kept building. You became like a part of this. Now you now you run this place. But uh, it was a few months later, not even, but a few months later, you put a, a pretty big post up on Facebook about on like the anniversary of your mom's like death. And I read it and I just remember like immediately like I started like DMing you and I was like, dude, I am not trying to step like on your day. I'm not trying to make this about me but like i lost my mom too i think we lost our moms the same year uh 2002 so oh we're the same age that's right we're the same age but yeah two years apart um you know i lost my mom too both to cancer and i remember i'll I'll never forget your response to me you responded you were like i had i had a feeling about you I just felt like you're a good dude and there was something about us that was just clicking and I couldn't figure out what it is, but now I know we're cut from the same cloth. Right. And uh, it was pretty much off and running for our relationship like after that. Right. You know, we knew we'd been kind of through the same thing and, and stuff like that. So it was really cool. But yeah, when Nina was born seven months ago, my daughter, I posted about her name and her middle name is Christine and I posted what her first name meant and that her middle name was, you know, my mom's name and you messaged me and we're like, dude, <laughs> I don't I don't know how we never knew this, but like my mom's name was Christine too. So yeah, it's crazy. The connections are crazy. Yeah. And the, the vibes too, man. Like I still remember my first couple of times here, like coaching and stuff. And I remember you being in the class and like I had that thing, hey, let's take a, which I'm going to bring back pretty soon, by the way. Hey, take one minute and go and introduce yourself to people you might not know, whatever. Yeah. Like you came up, high five, all that shit. And like, I don't know what it was, like just a sense, like a, a feeling. I was like, there's something about this dude. I'm going to mesh with this dude pretty well. And then like, yeah, months later, like we were, we realized what it was. And then I think the next time I saw you, like we high fived and we kind of like just, we didn't say anything. We just gave that look. But in, in our heads, we were like, high five, our moms are dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the dark humor. That's like, all right, we're both in the club together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yay for the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Um, so, Natalie, I think, you know, most people at the gym here know now your story because it's a little more recent. Yeah. Um, my mom was 2002. Dylan was 2014, as you said. Four. Your mom, 2004. Yeah. We were Sorry, really close. 14, we were, yeah. Very, ours were probably very similar, yeah. actually. I was four, 14. I was 11. You were 11. So. But you were, you're were you the older brother. Yeah, but I'm the older brother. Yeah, I have, you have, I have, have a brother. brother yeah. Right, so. It's almost the same little vibe there. Yeah. Um, 
Now you were just last year, though. Yeah. It's new to you. Mm -hmm. It's really different. Um, How's it going? I mean, revisit as much as you want about it, but what's, what's it like? What's it, um, what's it been like the last year? Well, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the SpongeBob episode that, uh, Patrick and SpongeBob are up in the treehouse that they can't get out of and Squidward gets up there because he wants to kick them out and then also gets stuck <laughs> and then they start singing Welcome to the Club. <laughs> it's what it feels like. <laughs> um, but I, it's weird. I don't know. It's, just, it's very weird. It's a very weird thing. But for me, my mom, when she got sick, I knew the writing on the wall. Like there wasn't any... There wasn't any hope. As shitty as that sounds, there was there wasn't any hope. Like we knew the day when we were down in the ER and they told us that she had a mass on her brain, they were like they told us exactly what it was, and they're like, "There's not much that's gonna happen. You just have to buckle up, pretty much." You said neuroblastoma. She had glioblastoma. Glio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which comes out of nowhere, has no cure. They don't know what causes it. It can happen to kids through people that are like 80, 90 years old. It's crazy how like advanced we are and like with medicine and then there's still there's still shit like that. It's just like oh yeah, this happens. We have no idea why. We don't know how to cure it obviously. Like it's like nothing caused it. It just happened. I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. I thought she had a mass on her head and we were just gonna get it out, go through chemo because she's been through breast cancer, so I was like, oh, it's gonna be the same. Not the same. No. no. Dylan, when you, when your mom first got like diagnosed, was there, was there hope? Was it, was it really aggressive? Did they feel like you had, like she had a chance to, to battle it out? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's like a history actually, like, I mean, we'll get into it. Um, but I, like, I'll say mine, then I want you to say yours. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, my mom was diagnosed. My mom was a smoker for a while but she did quit cold turkey just out of nowhere um years before she was diagnosed is there a correlation i don't know no one will um <clears throat> but she was diagnosed and then like we were preparing and sitting down the family and stuff and they just kind of told my, my mom and dad told my brother and i like hey mom's sick um so like things are going to be changing you know here and here and we just kind of want to explain why like do you have questions and I was what nine or ten at the time I didn't know shit so I mean I felt more for my brother because my brother was starting to learn like who my mom and my dad were as people you know um and I mean they said my mom mom's sick I was like oh what she got a cold whatever so I mean I didn't know anything but she was diagnosed she started to you could really tell like it was hitting her you know mm -hmm. and then she would go through the chemo and stuff and have her battles with that as everybody does like it makes you very sick and all this stuff and the hair can fall out and everything and my mom always wanted to look like Halle Berry so she cut her hair super short anyway and she was just loving life even though she was like getting chemo and stuff she's like I'm here for it you know yeah. um, and then we saw and got reports of quote-unquote significant improvement which 
is a blessing and a curse because you hear those words and you, you get those yeah, thoughts. Hope, yeah. You're like, oh my God, this is going to happen. We're going to make it, you know? Um, and then, like, she did show signs of improvement and everything and memory was better at stages and all that. And then there was one point she fell at home and just randomly, like, fell. And, and I believe she hit her ribs off of something like a table or something and it just hurt. And then it, it hurt more and more. And then as the days and weeks went on, it hurt more and more. And then, like, the significance was enough for us to, like, get get answers for. And then she started to get more sick. And then it turned out that the lung cancer that she had um, started to spread into bone cancer. And at that point, it was... They told us that it spread to her spine. So when you have when you have lung, bone, and spine cancer, the writing was on the wall for us too. And I think I was in shock for most of it. Mm-hmm. And I think not till years later, I didn't realize how damaged I was. <laughs> Still learning. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, we, we kind of knew the writing on the wall then. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I, I don't remember how long like my mom was six sick for i remember she had like a crazy string of like bronchitis like diagnosis like she just kept getting it over and over and over again and she's like she was a teacher she worked with kids so it was just like i mean strep throat and bronchitis in our house was just like you know the common cold <laughs> it's just like yep here like whatever we'll get medicine for it um but yeah so she went on one time and i remember uh, my mom and dad like telling me and my brother my sister was only well my sister was six when she when she passed so I don't know how old she was when, when she sat us down five or four so she wouldn't remember but um, sat us down and, and being like so you know your mom's a little more sick than just having like bronchitis like she has this this thing called like Hodgkin's lymphoma it's a type of cancer and like at that time in my life, I was like a warrior. I was like type A student and like athlete, and like I, I like started panicking right away. So I'm like, oh, this isn't like part of the like structure and the plan. I don't know what to do. Um, and like you know, my dad and my mom both were like, yeah, this is not aggressive. This is, I mean, the doctors I think said ninety five percent chance of like getting through this because there's such a high success rate of like getting past this we treat it really aggressively because we know there's a good chance of like beating it and i mean you can make a story out of anything in retrospect you know so of course like that five percent always stuck in my head um to the point where like (laughs) i might get into this later too it's like feeling like I like did I do this by constantly thinking about the bad side of it like I wasn't focused on the 95% but um yeah I mean they treated it and um shit just was you know it was like same thing chemo was like brutal like losing hair she was weak um you know we changed her diet we were trying to do everything in the book and this day obviously looking back 14 years old i can't remember everything but i think what actually happened is that she made it through all of her treatments um and i believe that they were confident that the cancer itself was gone 
part of the plan was for her to have like radiation after all the chemo. And she got some type of infection and started her chemo or started her radiation and the radiation just fried her fried everything and the infection had there was no healthy bacteria for her to felt like the infection off um and so then i remember they were like okay we need to have a surgery we we need to remove like the top portion of her lung I learned like lungs have three parts. Apparently, it's not just like one. They have three parts, and you can live with like two sixths of your lungs. You can have like one section on each side and still function. So they needed to remove that that top one. And again, still at fourteen years old, it's like um, okay, all right. So my mom just has that as like a surgery, whatever, no big deal. Um, but then it was like I can't remember his exact words, but my dad being like, "This is sort of like a last." grasp you know and it it just never really registered until I remember being in the hospital after that surgery and basically the doctor's being like like yeah she's not she's not gonna make it and I remember sitting in the hallway of the hospital uh just like crying like left down some other wing of the hospital I remember some nurse coming up to me and asking me if I was okay and I remember thinking like what a stupid fucking question (laughs) But uh, at the same time, it felt nice to, you know, just have someone acknowledge that you were sitting there. But, like, yeah, just wanted to run away. Just, like, crawl into a hole. Didn't really want to be found. But, yeah. That was weird. It's weird how it all happens. It's weird, like, the phases you go through and understanding, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you said you were more of a worried person about it, and you're the older brother in the family. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, I was kind of in shock because I didn't really process it because I was the younger brother. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you feel that you did it because you don't have any brothers or sisters? Thanks for reminding me. No problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the difference. You have with... to take this pain on all by <laughs> yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily you two are around, so you can't take it on <laughs> with me. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just me and my dad. Um, so... I came in with the attitude of being Timmy tough nuts and trying to hang on for him because, I mean, he's taking the brunt force of it, of caring for her at home. Um, because For those of you that don't know glioblastoma, it's obviously brain cancer. Um, and depending on where it is, it can attack different parts of the brain. And hers was on memory, um, coordination, balance, and everything. So she couldn't remember certain, like, it was for short-term memory or creating memories. So she would get things wrong, like different parts of the house, remotes, cell phones, wouldn't call them the right thing. Um, for the longest time after her surgery, she couldn't talk. She had to go into therapy, so my dad had to be there with her every day. She didn't even know that he was there half, to, half the time, half the, sometimes. Um, but at home, because she had problems walking at certain points, especially after the two brain surgeries, he had to help her around the house and do all these things. So I tried to be over there as much as I could. But for me, I mean, that's hard seeing at some point with someone's brain cancer, you can only take on so much. So I'd watch him take on as much as he could and then I'd have to take over and just kind of like swallow it and hang on, which was tough. 
the thing about like organic conversations as opposed to like having something scripted is like it's not going to move chronologically but so like you saying that brings me back to when it was happening because you know we knew you we were here at the gym with you and we knew you were going through it and you know i remember you talking about the struggle with like the memory loss because you know it's like your mom wasn't like herself it was like she was a different person at times and like I think to someone who maybe has not lived or experienced and God bless you, like I don't wish it on anyone, but this level of like, uh, whatever you want to call it, like trauma, right? This might seem like a really fucked up question to ask, but the responsibility to take care of her is real. Yes, you love her, and yes, you would happily a thousand times overtake on that responsibility again. I'm just gonna say, because I know you two will understand, but like, there's a sense of relief when she's not in pain anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel that? And do you struggle sometimes, especially being only a year removed from like, you know, how, how can I feel any sense of relief? Like, is this is that like wrong of me? Like, do you feel that? Do you battle that? Do you have a good grasp on that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it a lot between you two. I mean, I think I went through a lot of stages of grief with this from when she was diagnosed knowing she was going to die to the entire process of just waiting, as messed up as that sounds for everyone listening. Like, you're you're literally waiting for someone to just start to get worse and then die. Um, to physically watching it happen and then afterwards and then carrying that on through like I don't know it's just a lot of weird weird phases of it I mean relief yeah um now I'm gonna cry (laughs) I was gonna be first first. (laughs) I was gonna be first um I'd give anything to take care of her again that's the shitty part but she was in so much pain the entire time um it's also not easy watching somebody that used to take care of you that you now have to at the end stages of some of these diseases i mean i was at one point i was carrying her to the bathroom like physically i had to pick her up and carry her and i mean my mom's she's five four and i don't know like a hundred 70 pounds maybe so like i mean i'm carrying pretty much not a dead body like she was up but like she couldn't really walk much herself so like having to do stuff like that to having to like calm someone down when they don't believe that they live in their house because the cancer has taken away their memory i mean that shit's rough but i also too would give anything to go through that yeah yeah, the sense of relief is, I mean, I don't even know what I would call it. A lot of mine is, I mean, you guys, from just past conversations, you can tell probably that I was in shock for a very large period of it. Um, it's like the, you think it, it's called personal fable, where like you just anticipate that your life is going to go a certain way. And like, yeah, I deserve this. You know, it's going to be a good life. You know, just, it's going to be mine. And then like hearing the diagnosis and, starting to understand what it was and you're like wait this isn't yeah this isn't part of the plan you know um but 
what you just said, like you're, you physically had to take care of her. Like I watched my dad do that. Like my mom had the walker with the portable toilet in it because yeah, the bathroom was pretty close, but she couldn't make it, you know, you had to do it. Um, my dad was the hero for us, like handling all that. Mm -hmm. And I was just like witnessing it. So I would, I would hold off and show emotion only to myself, very rarely to anybody. Um, there was one time with my mom and my mom and I love scary movies. My brother and my dad, not so much, I don't think. Um, maybe my brother's coming around, but um, whenever we would put a scary movie on, like they wouldn't want to watch it or whatever. And my mom, sick as shit, would like contort her body just so her head could face the TV. <laughs> while we're watching Jeepers Creepers and I'm just sitting there and like watching it and shit and I remember we were watching it and like I look back and she's watching it with me across the room and I just started crying and she was like what's what's wrong and I was like I don't want you to die and she she was like I'm going to like you're you can do this like there's gonna be a day whether it's from this or not like it's gonna happen um and like I guess afterwards when I started to come out of shock is where I started to realize it more and like feel yeah she's not in pain now you know so mm-hmm. it's, it's going away but um, I the day that it happened and my mom had to get hospice so we had a hospital bed in our living room and it took mm-hmm. a long ass time for me to get that mental picture out of my yeah. living room um, every time I would go home I didn't want to go home I went to college and it was Clarion not even far away from Erie I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to see that. It was still burned in my mind. And, um, <laughs> like, the day that it happened, everyone's around her. Just the, the lifeless body, you know? Yeah. You feel the pressure kind of release, and everyone around her is sobbing and sad. She's out of, She's not in pain anymore. Do you want to see her? Do you want to hug her? And, I mean, I didn't really have answers. And to hear that my dad was, like, he could finally squeeze her, hug her again now that she's gone. He's like, I needed that. I didn't realize how much he needed that. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. So hearing my dad say that and hearing you say that is like, I can I can see it and understand it, even though I didn't personally have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the same. Like, my grandpa and my dad did a lot of the, the physical, like, caretaking, but... We also, she was on hospice as well, so I remember exactly where that bed was set up in the living room. <clears throat> I remember exactly where we had a couch, how you could sit on the couch right beside her, hold her hand. Same yeah, all of it. Like, I mean, it is. Those images are burning your brain. Like, I remember sitting there <clears throat> holding her hand, the, you know, the night before she died. Um, I remember conversations I had with her in that bed. But I also remember, like, I also remember coming home from school when she wasn't at that stage yet, and she was going through it, and coming home, and I got out of school earlier before my brother and my sister, so I remember getting home and just having time with her, just us one-on-one, and, like, actually building, like, a relationship beyond, like, mother to like son like to to baby you know i can remember her asking me about like girls and i can remember her asking me about you know 
talking to me about sports. She 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 was a sports head. She loved she loved it all. So she loved that I was in sports, you know. And um, I can remember the day she felt good. She'd come pick me up just because she felt good. <laughs> she wanted to get out of the house. It's like, you know, I remember those things too. Um, and it's so weird to have all of that mixed together. Have all that mixed together, like wow, what awesome memories, and wow, what like the worst possible things you could think of. So, uh, did you ever go see anyone therapy, anything like that? I never did. Um, probably should have. Never did. Yeah. Found ways to cope with it. Um, mine was the majority of it was athletics. Yeah, I didn't have sports. I might not be here. Blunt, but it's true. Um, I mean, and watching Natalie, because, yeah, we joke about it, but we know, like, it's a real thing. She's, like, able to push and channel things physically right now. I mean, it's only a year removed, and, like, we all find ways. But, no, I didn't see anyone. Um, Yeah, wonder always wonder what it would have been like if I did, if I was able to process things. Um, you know, I, I've started for the last 18 years. Next month is 18 years. Your birthday, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Natalie told me a long yeah. time ago when yeah. her birthday was, and yeah, I was like, mm. I kept it to myself. Yeah. I was like, that's a say, shitty day. We yeah. <laughs> started off with, like, the, the, yeah. the name connections. There's uh-huh. a yeah. lot more connections that we've unearthed between right. each yeah. other. That might yeah. not all come out, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... I still remember Natalie, uh, it was before your mom actually died, but it was, I think it was after you got the like official, like, like it's not going to be much longer, whatever you was during the open last year. And I just remember being like, I'm not doing this at Friday night lights. I'm not doing it. I, I need to come in Saturday when no one else is here. And I remember it was us three and Megan. We just sent a text out and we're just like I just need you to be there and I just remember it's like you could I mean you could feel it just no one said a word and you did that workout and you crushed it and collapsed on the floor sobbing like I've never seen you sob before and it's it's those moments that are like I've I've I want to drop down and cry because one, obviously like I feel for you mm-hmm. and two, it opens up all those scars again. It's like, I was there 18, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I remember it. I remember that moment for me. It was in that like hospital. And I just remember, I was like, that's, that's, that's her, like that's her hospital moment. It's there. But, um, I know you still use her for like, motivation and like grit you know what um i don't know what parts of her do you bring with you to the to like the competition floor oh, or just to your life in general yeah um who all of it um with her she if pe- the people that know like my parents really well and know me they know I'm literally like half of them like literally 50 50 person 
Um, the one thing that always bothered my mom is that my dad and I always bonded over sports. Um, she, she was, she, she did like some athletics, but like she wasn't, she wasn't the athletic one. Um, but she always tried really hard to be, and she like picked up like hockey, for example, to, she knew me and my dad didn't like hockey very much. So she learned everything she could about hockey so she could one up us. Um, and like Pittsburgh Penguins were her favorite and stuff like that. But, um, I think with that, the things that I carry with me about her was, I mean, she created this, like, I mean, my strength comes from her. She's gone through so many health problems her entire life, um, where she just hid pain. I mean, I just found out, I found out recently talking to my dad, like a couple months ago, and we were talking about like when she had her like stint with breast cancer, which isn't even the breast cancer that she had isn't even considered like a cancer anymore because they were able to find like an actual cure for it, not just treatment. Um, but she never told him that she was going through that. Not any, any of it. She had no idea. He had no idea. I was the only person that she told. That doesn't sound like Natalie. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So I wish that like she, I wish she knew how much of her strength that I have. I try to carry with me because of some of the things that I do or say or act like it's just it's her it's well, all she her knows now. yeah it's all her yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah her stubbornness <laughs> um but yeah stuff like that that her I mean through all those problems I mean she's just a gritty feisty human like she would win every argument no matter what I could never beat her in an argument <laughs> ever <laughs> The um, one person. The one person. Yeah. We just go on forever. But I mean, that also, too, is how close we were, too. I mean, like, people used to think that we were sisters, that <laughs> my dad was her dad. <laughs> she, he was so mad whenever someone said that it was, she, they called my mom his daughter once. And I was like, hmm, you old man. <laughs> but my dad's not even that much older than my mom. He's like four or five years, I think. But he has like white hair, so that's probably why. Um, but yeah, she always, she carried that kind of stuff with her too. She's like, thought she, we were sisters and stuff. But yeah, I mean, really, it's just her strength, her stubbornness. I think that's why I'm the way I am, especially in athletics. I mean, I'm relentless. Yeah. And I own it. That's how she was. Where it's kind of like a, it's the a, a, like through a broken lens most of the time, and like there's some times where I can process just how it would be, how it would be not through a broken lens. You know, it's not a it's not a jealousy thing. It absolutely isn't. It's just I can understand how people can view things different. You know, mm-hmm. like just a while, a couple of years back, I would I learned what love languages are. You know, getting out of the the dark ages of processing that shit still learning that people will respond different ways react different ways think different ways and stuff and for the longest time it was just here's this broken way to see people so like to a lot of friends and you know past relationships friendships even stuff with family like my bad <laughs> i didn't i didn't know you know until you started to clear that stuff out could that have been something that maybe was expedited with therapy possibly you know 
I think to you know, being 14 and 11 is like you don't even know about life. You don't even know about yourself. You don't know about shit when you're that young. So you have something like this happen and, you know, it's, 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 it's dropping a glass ball. It's just everything is completely shattered. It's everything you thought was starting to take shape or you understood about life. It's, it's, it's not flipped upside down. It's, it's unrecognizable. And I think part of the journey for me was, you know, you're trying to place blame. You're trying to place blame on everything. It's life. Life is unfair. Okay, well, you know, life's not unfair or fair. Life is just life. But at the time, you're definitely thinking that. And then you're thinking, oh, all these, all these people around me are acting really messed up about the situation. They're giving me too much attention. They're not giving me enough attention. Oh, they're pitying me. Or they don't give me any sympathy. It's like no, no one could do anything that was like good enough to make me feel better. And... You don't know it at the time, but it's like you are. You're trying to fill a hole that just simply like can't be filled. And I feel like the same thing. You're like to all those people. I'm like, sorry. It's like I'm the same way. It's like, you know, <clears throat> I treated some people like shit, and it's because I didn't understand myself. It, it, it's not you. And I've had this, always had this little irk of like vendetta against like my hometown. And, Oof, I feel that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with my hometown. Right. It has nothing to do with the people that like, I love where I'm from mm-hmm. and I love the people I grew up with. And I love that. I know I could reach out to any of them on social media and all would be good. But I carried myself with this, like I have to get out of here and Looking back on it now, what I think it was just misconstrued as was like another place would make me feel better and remind me less about like my mom dying. Not really like I don't need to be in this area, you know. So it is. It's like there's you do you want to reach out sometimes? Just be like I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry. I like I know I like it's not who I am. Like I act like an asshole. Like I'm not one. I swear I'm not. I swear I'm not. But people have to understand too is like we're all just growing up at that age. Mm-hmm. Did you go through a stage where you felt like you were an asshole? Yeah, I was a little yeah. shit, dude. I was, I was a little shit. You know, <laughs> the the one person how I feel like <laughs> it's funny because I know this person's gonna listen. <laughs> but the one person I feel the worst about is like my stepmom now. Mm. Just a dick. I'm not calling her mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, she never. Dude, at that point, the only thing you understand about step parents is Disney movies. The step parents are always evil. The step parents are always trying to come in and replace. And like, 
My stepmom never did that. She never tried to replace. She never tried to be something she wasn't. She simply tried to love my dad and love me and my brother and my sister. That's all she ever tried to do. And thank God that, you know, she didn't think I was so shitty <laughs> that she left. And, and I've always felt that. I always felt deep down like I was really happy for my dad, too. You know, like, he was 38, 40 when my mom died. That's young. Your dad was? Yeah. How old was That's, your mom? 38, 40, yeah, they're, they're about the same age. So, like, eh, that's, 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 that's young. Mm-hmm. That's not, you're not going to ride out the next six years of your life, like, alone. Um, but, again, everyone processing everything at different speeds and stuff. It's like, I wasn't ready to move on when he was ready. So, it was good for him, but I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> and uh, I want a lot to do with it now. Like, I'm really, uh, really love that. And I, I gained three awesome stepsisters with it along the way. But it just, it it takes people different times. Like, that's one thing I think I go back to all the time that makes me get teary-eyed is that. It's just, like, I I see this, like, little vision, like, in my head. And I'm, like, closing my eyes. These are when I'm talking about it. But I see this vision in my head of, like, that little version of me and just screaming like I'm not an asshole like I'm just hurt like I'm just really 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 sad mm-hmm. yeah it's like the same time heals all like people go through different stages of time and whatever that a length of time is to heal everyone's just different so like I can't speak for my brother but I still remember my stepmom Pam um, yeah it was the same kind of thing like what's this person doing here I'm supposed to have my mom here you know, and then now that I'm like, I'm proud to say like I can process love a lot more accurately now. Yeah. I'm able to like tell people those words and feel good about it. For the longest time, I wasn't able to. Um, I love my stepmom, yeah. and I know Pam probably is gonna be listening to this. Um, probably not my dad, but um, like she was, she must have had such a significant battle with all of us. Uh-huh. Um, not that anything ever was a problem or whatever, but like just stepping into that role and, and willing to be in a house with, you know, I, I, we're talking with her now. Like I'm, I'm developing even more of a relationship yeah. with her and like hearing about, you know, her walking around the house and still seeing old clothes, seeing pictures and stuff while we're, while yeah. she's in that space. It's like, wow, I, I knew that I had it hard, obviously, but I, you can't put yourself in someone else's shoes at that point, but I got extremely lucky with who my stepmom is. Yeah. I know I do have friends that were not so lucky, and I, and I say that to tie in like what I very briefly touched on before. Um, I have a unique, um, I don't even know what to call it, just a unique upbringing, I guess. Um, my great uncle when I was a kid like so before my mom my great uncle died my grandpa died I'd never met my other grandpa um you know other aunts here and there through the process my best friend at the time his mom was diagnosed two months before mine was his mom died two months before mine was her mind died um I was surrounded by death growing up so 
in and out of funeral homes not understanding like why do we have to make so much food for other people in our family so yeah. now i know like you get a shit ton of food when a parent Dude, dies so because people know hey they don't want to deal with cooking so let's flood them with food yeah so much our food our fridge was full you know and that's that's really cool about people too it's just like yeah you know it's the littlest thing it's just like you know that shit when you're just exhausted at the end of the day you hate to do <laughs> Let's just take care of that for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like we, I was in this like friends group and one of my friends, his mom died right before mine. And then we were, we were best friends with another guy. Um, unique enough. Randomly, he became part of the club too when we were in high school. Um, very sad story but like I was surrounded by it so I think I was more broken than I thought I was and it took even longer to come out of that but like everyone has their own battles and that the the saying that time heals all is accurate it's just everyone has their own different way to go through that time and yeah I mean I'm I was a little shit sometimes but you know they probably took it they probably went through it in their own ways. It's just very, very bizarre how things piece together. Yeah. And like, you really do. You gotta, you gotta feel some level of self healing mm-hmm. before you can, you can really start to help others. Like the only reason we can sit down and even do this and share it is because there's enough healing and enough confidence and enough ownership of just like what our lives are mm-hmm. that okay, now we can give this story and, and hopefully it, like, helps someone. Yeah. Even, like, Natalie, you know, we keep going back to the differences. Like, she's only, like, a year removed. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, we were able to freely talk about death and specifically, like, our mother's dying, like, as she was going through it and being able to tell her, like, ignore anything anyone tells you, just whatever you need to do is what you have to do. Right. Like, you figure it out. Well, that was helpful for me. I mean, Mm -hmm. I should probably go to therapy, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I have enough people around me that talk to. Um, But these two and two of my best friends in my high school group, they both lost their dads when we were in school still. So... I think some of the stuff that you guys are talking about for me coming into like the club, um, like even talking to them, like I apologize like profusely for feeling like I wasn't there enough for them when this happened Mm -hmm. to them because I'm like, Oh my God, I would never thought that this felt like this before. Um, and also to coming out of that space, you realize how much other people around you were also helping like, I know that sounds, like, shitty and, and he wouldn't take this this way, but, like, I never realized how much, like, Justin was really helping in all that situation. I mean, like, I don't have siblings, but if my dad called in the middle of the night and he knew that I had to get up to early to coach, Justin would go over there and sit with my mom if he had to go do something. Because <laughs> while all this was going on, obviously, the whole world shut down. Um, and my dad lost his dad the year before my mom passed. So we were going through that. And so there was a time where like my dad had to drive over to my grandfather's house or to the hospital when he was in the hospital and Justin would go over and sit with my mom and stuff like that. So it's, 
it's nice to like start to remember that kind of stuff like as you're coming out of the fog but it also like makes you feel terrible because you didn't like recognize those people were also like a huge help because yeah. I mean I didn't go through this by myself but until you're on the, this side of the fence like how are you supposed to know how to help right. someone like that like I mean kind of what we were talking about earlier it's like I didn't even know what I wanted like you, you didn't you didn't give me enough sympathy or you gave me too much pity like you know so you definitely bet someone a high school person like you know a high school kid like yeah of course you're gonna feel like you didn't do enough but there's a level of like you can't do anything too it's like simply just you know just reminding people that you're there and I think that's probably like the closest relationships with friends that I still have are the people that I know are there they just extended a hand they didn't have to like you know, hey, let's all, we'll take you out. We'll do something. We'll, we'll get your mind off of it. It's like, well, I don't really want that either. Mm-hmm. They're just people that were just like, hug, I love you, if you need anything. I st- there's a friend that I still have. She lives in California now. Um, it'll be 22, 20 years this year. She has not missed one fucking anniversary messages me every single year on the day thinking about you today i love you and like i i don't think i've seen her but three or four times since we graduated high school like college three or four times since we graduated college probably but like yeah hasn't missed one hasn't missed one and like i don't know if she'll ever know like how much that like it's to the point like, it's almost like I feel like a, like a trained Pavlov dog. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I know I'll get a text from Amanda today at some point. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. It's like, but it, it does, it means so much. There's other, and then there's other people too. Like, she's, she's not the only one, but, you know, I know my brother has, has, has some friends that do, do that for him. Uh, and I can think of another person that always does a little post on Facebook and tags me and I don't have Facebook anymore, but like, I know she's still doing it. It's like, you know, those are the ones that just they stick with you it just means a lot it just means a lot you found your people yeah and, and they, they just they kind of just show up yeah and like sometimes I feel like there's only so much space in my heart mm-hmm. <laughs> especially like even when it comes to like coaching and training and stuff it's like it's it's a lot of gift of energy giving energy giving energy coaching trying to help people get better help people get better you know whether it's just like a clean or a snatch or a handstand but it's like just to know that someone's holding some space in their their like heart for you on that day mm-hmm. it's like all right this it doesn't feel like so heavy anymore mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah the um some of the people that show up like you didn't even expect you know some people you met way along the way like it's been 18 years for me and some some didn't show up until like five years ago in my life mm-hmm. five six whatever years ago but like the consistency and you can just feel the like they care you know that's you learn that there are really really good people out there yeah you know there's a few that'll still always reach out uh, on the day mm-hmm. for me too and those those are the people that come to mind yeah i think i learned too about like you know the people who don't reach out it has nothing to do with the amount of love they have for you either oh yeah it's yeah. like <clears throat> yeah, you're right. sometimes people just don't know what to say yeah 
It's true. You know, which I think is my, my original point too. Is like, yeah. how do you know what to do? And it's like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, you're not going to know. Well, but, that's what like Leah and Caleb would tell me all the time. They're like, yeah. what were you like? What would you have done? Like, you did fine. You yeah. were fine. Yeah. I mean, you're me still friends with them to this day. Yeah. So you did something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're, I mean, they're in my our little core pod group of girls, the ones we go to Deep Creek with. My Dip Creek. <laughs> I can't wait to send them this so they can hear that part. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those two would just like randomly check on me too. And they would, they would just be like, if you don't want to talk, you don't have to. Like, I'm not just just popping in because they get it but the thing i think for me too talking about it we know it took a little bit for me to open up about all of it um it would anybody uh, yeah it would anybody do you understand like it's always like triggering so as a person going through it when you like want to talk about it but like you don't want to talk about it with like certain people because you're afraid you're going to trigger them like sucks yeah it's hard because then you just hold it in i think but it's hard to talk about it with other people that haven't gone through it and you feel bad but like they don't they don't get it yeah even though they want to help but that's like one of the other hardest conversations you're just like i don't even want to go there right now dude the the the, like most dizzying shithole is time because that's for me like that's what it's been more more time i hate ugh. i and i know people mean well so it's okay to say this don't think you shouldn't say this to people but like oh time heals all time heals all like it it really doesn't but time does give you perspective and it does give you a chance to get more experience like under your belt like there is healing in the sense that i can get out of bed in the morning I am not caught up under the covers, incapacitated, and emotionally paralyzed. Uh, but there's not, like, like I said, like a, a year ago, 19 years removed from me, seeing you drop on the floor, sobbing, knowing what you're sobbing about, immediately brought up the exact same feeling as when I was in the hospital all those years ago. Like immediate, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It's hardwired permanently. But it's 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 less triggering, and there's more confidence, I think, in talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's like time, time goes on, and time passes to know that like I know that if I called up my brother to talk about it, it could be triggering for my brother, but he's also had time with it and he knows that I need to talk about it and the same for him. So there's, there's not that fear of like, Oh, I don't want to bring this up because I don't want to make him sad. It's like, you understand. It's like you can reach out for you and you're not disregarding other people's feelings, but like you can reach out for you and yeah. Just don't wait till you explode. Like I did multiple times. (laughs) Comes to the experience too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a sick way, like the experience. Um, I still remember the day you told me, and like the day that I knew you were worried about it. Like, yeah, we were standing by the garage door. I was on a bike. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago it was. Yeah. I was on a bike. I was on the, at the garage door on a bike, and I remember you were sitting up against the the garage door side of it, and that's where like 
I could generally or genuinely hear the the thoughts and like the feelings that you were concerned with and then I remember and you probably you obviously wouldn't know but I texted Dave and I was like yo bro we gotta talk and I was like Natalie's worried I remember that text actually yeah Natalie's worried and now I got a feeling and then you were like yeah I got the same feeling and there's nothing we say to you Hmm. we're just we understand it's our time to be there for you now Actually, more than the text, I remember that exact conversation. Because mm-hmm. earlier, you were like, we high-fived and looked each other in the eye. And we're like, yeah, your mom did that. <laughs> it's like, I remember the the door, the entryway to our office is very narrow. <laughs> and I remember we, you were coming out and I was coming in. And you said that. I got that feeling. And we just locked eyes again. It was that same eye contact. And I was just like, Found it too. Yeah, it's stop having these stepbrothers moments. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's like without moving, our brains <laughs> reached out of their like our heads and high fived each other. We're like, we know what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember I told you that before it was even like getting like checked out. Yeah. Like I was just like, things are really weird. And I'm yeah. pretty sure something's wrong, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know. Yeah, like the time that I'm referring to is the first time like I felt her worry about it. It's like that's different, you know. There's like you we learn like, hey, this is a diagnosis, you know. Doesn't mean X, Y, or Z. We don't know where it's going. But yeah. The time that I heard you talking about it when you were concerned, I was like, that's different. Yeah, it's funny. Even even feeling like I always kind of was like a warrior, warrior when I was like younger. It's like the first time I really knew I had to worry about it. I was like oh I didn't need to worry about it when I was worried about it mm-hmm. like I started worrying from like the jump but then it was like when that moment came where it was like it's serious it was like oh that was just being paranoid mm-hmm. this is the beginning of accepting yeah. what's, what's about to happen you're pushed into no choice but to grow up very quick and disregard yes. things that you know your friends want to do or the way your friends think and there's just this not even expected it's just like it's inserted into your chest where you feel it you're like there is a sense that i have to do different things now you know yeah and it's just yeah it is where it is um i had a question i was just about yeah. to ask you about that question oh, yeah. because it I made me really nervous when you guy. said that well i want well, to curious. I'm curious for all of you who don't know we have a group message yes. <laughs> dylan's a, like i a have a surprise. question he's Can like i imagine? have a surprise question i'm gonna ask you guys on the podcast yeah. <laughs> it's like great yeah. and natalie tried to get it out of me that day <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, to get out of I was like i need to prep um, i need to prep for this need to be proactive <laughs> and but prep. i'm curious because like i'm i'm curious if you have an answer because you're you're new to this um thanks for reminding me again yeah um (laughs) rookie do you like (laughs) not not getting into (laughs) you Um, guys are allowed to laugh yeah um do you have a um not to get in because i don't we don't need to talk about religion or anything like that but like do you have a moment you remember where you know they're still here did anything happen 
anything like do you have a story that's so funny because i was thinking of like questions like for you guys and i one of them was going to be you know like what very similar not the same question very similar was like what, what was the moment that you uh knew you were going to be okay and you know i i think about first of all there's there's many you know it do you have one that's yeah, like real life's not like a movie where it's like, oh, that was the one turning point mm-hmm. for the conflict, you know, and now we're working towards the, the resolution or, or towards the final scene. Um, but I think the thing that, that sticks out in my mind is I was in Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh this happened in Hawaii, which was first. You know, Hawaii, I felt like, was the time I really fully, finally accepted it. But I was in Peru. And I remember uh, she was on my mind. Um, I was in tears at the time. I was crying. Um, and it was, it was very therapeutic cry. It wasn't, like, one of those, like everything sucks like nothing's gonna be okay it was just like i'm feeling it and i have to get it out right now and as i'm crying i'm having this kind of like internal dialogue this inner inner conversation with her and it hit me that the way i was thinking about her and the way that i was like talking to her internally was different than the way i like talked to her when i was 15 16 17 and it was just like, holy shit, my relationship with my mom is still changing. It was like I still have a relationship with her. And I think that's when I knew. It was like, oh, she's definitely still here. And in fact, in some ways, more so here than when she physically was present. Because I think about my mom every day every day not in the sense like i have to get up and i have to make sure i remember her memories and like i have to think about her but it comes up like flat out 20 years (laughs) yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah as we're talking about this like randomly like the computer unplugs right turns off like hi yeah we did it we did it you're here um God, let me get on with my day. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, it is. She's just on my mind every single day for 20 years. There's not one day I can think about where I was like, oh, actually, like, she didn't, like, cross my mind somehow or another. And so it's that sense of understanding that, like, I carry her with me that she's still here. Yes, I cannot... Uh, and this is probably one of my biggest pain points still because I, working out, athletics, like I love the physical body. I love physical touch. Like I love hugging. Like I love cuddling. I love all that stuff. So like, you know, that's one of the biggest pain points for me is I always, I'm just like, oh, I just, I just want to give her like one more hug, which I know I can't have cause I'd never fucking let go. <laughs> but like, you know, I just want one more hug. I just want to be able to hold her. I just want to be like, feel her face just grab her hair, whatever the case may be. But, uh, 
yeah, that 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 time that, that moment of Peru was really like, oh, like yeah, she literally is still here because I'm. As long as I'm thinking about her, as long as like she comes across my mind, or I can remember funny stories about her, then like she she exists, you know. Um, if you're a therapist listening to this, I'm not delusional, um, <laughs> but. Uh, no, it's like, you know, some of that does go into the, the spirituality and uh, religion thing, too. It's like mm-hmm. the spirituality for me is like my views on what happens when we die and who we really are and what exists is like, you know, I am not a physical body. I have a physical body, so I will continue to exist even when I die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just recognizing that like when I was in, yeah, in Peru, that was it for me. Yeah. You got one? Mm. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I am, I am a religious person, um, for, I mean, the entire time my mom was sick, I was praying every single day, um, but not for, like, her to survive, because I knew that wasn't realistic, um, more so just not to be in pain, and honestly, at the end, I was literally praying to God he would just take her, (laughs) um, yeah, yeah, that's really that was the toughest conversation I've ever had. Um, but since she died, I've been waiting for something to happen. Cause I mean, when she died, like I felt nothing like silence. <laughs> um, but if you're used, like you're an intense person. Yeah. And I think that's, a, uh, that, that is, a mental mistake people can make too is that I don't feel anything something's wrong with me mm-hmm. well if you're feeling a lot all the time and then you're not feeling anything yeah well I think for me that's the silence like how we're talking about relief like that mm-hmm. silence like I knew she was gone mm-hmm. like that was, it was a good thing because I know cause she was also a religious her whole family is religious but like you know sometimes when someone's still like a spirit is still there they haven't crossed over so for me like knowing like she just literally sucked out of the earth and gone um then i knew she was like gone like mm-hmm. she was taken um but for me mine actually happened at the cemetery um mm-hmm. right before quarterfinals this year um I didn't think it was going to be that hard to talk about. Um, I was sitting on her grave. Um, she doesn't have a headstone yet, so I'm just sitting on concrete. Um, and I think it was after, I think I had a long conversation with you guys because I was really, I was nervous about quarterfinals and I didn't know if I was going to be like good enough to do anything. And I just felt, I was just nervous. And I was sitting there talking out loud to the wind and I told her I fucking hated it. <laughs> I hate talking to air. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there for like probably like 45 minutes in the cold. It was like 32 degrees outside. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. So I got into my car and I had Spotify on. And it wasn't, uh, it was just a radio station. Like it was one of those like random ones for, I don't know even what I was listening to. And as I started driving away, the one song that you guys always hear me play in the gym, that Sia Unstoppable song, started playing. <laughs> And I, I lost it. <laughs> I absolutely lost it. Um, because I knew that was her. Just being like, 
because you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine you're a strong person because for those of you that don't know or do know the entire time she was sick I was still trying to train while I was taking care of her I was getting like four or five hours of sleep sometimes um trained after she passed for an entire year and would just trained through grief which is not an easy thing to do um because my goal to me is everything and I knew that she would want me to keep going and I think that was a hard part when I got to quarterfinals that it was kind of like PTSD from the open that David was talking about that it just made me just remember literally competing right before she passed and then hitting an open workout two days after she died. And it kind of makes you feel like a crazy person. Like you don't feel anything. But um, that was just hard. So for my moment, that was um, that was me feeling her for like the first time since she passed. Because I didn't. And I was looking for it. Searching for it. <laughs> I was telling Justin the other day. Because just like David and Dylan were talking about. When they had hospital beds in their living room. So did we. And every time I go over the my parents' house now, I literally stand in the living room hoping that something moves. <laughs> like, to me, and Justin's like, you're messed up because whenever I had to pick up the mail for your dad when he goes out of town, I run up the steps and throw it on the table and run away. <laughs> He's like, because I know your mom, because he, he hate my mom would mess with him because Justin doesn't like scary things. And, um... Now he's in that room, like, wishing yeah. something, like, haunted I, would happen. That, yeah, that's like, what I was, like, telling, hey, you, fast I was telling him that in the truck the other day. He was, he told me, he like, runs up the steps and runs away. He's like, I said, no, if anything happens, it's going to happen to me because your mom won't yep. mess with me. And he's like, and then you're up there standing in the kitchen in the living room just, like, staring at the wall the bed was on. Like, for the love of God, just, like, turn a light on. <laughs> and then I'll be like, all right, I'll try again another day. <laughs> But yeah, I think for me that was a that cemetery moment was that was like the strongest feeling that I've had in since she passed away. Yeah. So very emotional. Never be able to hear that song the same way again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Never. Never. What was it for you? Um, mine was in college. Um, my senior year. Uh, my senior year of college. No, junior year of college. My junior year of college. Um, <clears throat> my dad was a water polo player. My mom was a diver. They were both. They were both around water um, sport uh, oh, things. So I was the lucky winner of the most boring water polo <laughs> <laughs> swimming. Yeah, and it's known for us. Like you, if, if it's a 6 a.m. practice, everyone's out there at 5.50, you know, stretching. People are coming out or whatever. And as it's 5.59 and the clock is about to tick over, you are fully expected to just start diving in the water. And no one is on, no one's on land after one minute. You know, you're just, you're, it's expected of you. So I'm dragging my feet, freezing cold in the morning, walking to the facility. I have to put on this little stupid suit. I'm standing on the edge of a cold-ass pole, whatever. Um, and at that point, it was a 16-year career. And I just was like, dude, I've had enough. <laughs> like, yeah. I swim in high school for my mom because she was my swim coach. 
I continued in college because I had a buddy going to college and we were roommates. I was like, you know what, I'll find friends, whatever. And at some point, that love of the sport, I started to realize, like, this wasn't really for me anymore. This was, I was finishing out to finish it out, you know, for, mm-hmm. for my mom. And then 6 a.m. hits, everyone starts diving in, one after the other, one after the other, whatever. I'm the last one. I'm standing there. Toes curled on the edge of the pool. And I was like, processing through my mind, why am I doing this? Like, I could be experienced in college, excited, doing different things, you know. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Sleeping in? Yeah, man, absolutely. And just, I, I started to process through my mind, like, I don't have to do this. This, I don't need to. It doesn't matter. I'm not in love with this sport anymore. I'm here just to be here. Why am I here? And, like, I look over at my coach, and now it's 6.01, and getting closer to 6.02, and he's giving me that, well, we're waiting, you know, look, and I just didn't want to do it, man, at all. I'm the last one on deck. Something, someone, put their hands on my back and pushed me in the water, and I immediately come right to the surface and look back, there's no one there, and I'm just like, okay, and my mom's like, put your fucking head down and swim, go, you're almost done. And it kind of, like, brought this feeling back again. Like, I can do hard things. I can channel it. I can figure it out. Um, and then the next summer I spent, that summer, ocean guarding around water again. Came back from my last year and just, you know, I knew I was going to finish it, so I finished it. But that was, yeah, that was the, the bigger one that I remember. It was so bizarre. Just, like, you feel it was there. Yeah. Something was there. And, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm on the edge of the pool and, like, somewhat leaning, but I'm not falling in. But something, someone gave me that push. Yeah, it makes me think of, like, you know, when something that major, like, happens to you is, you know, and right, rightfully so, like, there's, there's going to be an aversion to any type of stress, you know, especially right after, but trickling on and on, you know. And I'm like looking at us, us three while we're having this conversation. And I was like, literally none of us have an aversion to stress. Like we seek it out, you know? I mean, every workout is like, you know, we talk about like, oh, I still get butterflies in my stomach. I, you know, we're, we're going up to that last set of squats going like, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to hurt. <laughs> and it's like, we're still choosing to step into that stress. We're like welcoming that stress into like our lives still and like I just can't help but think it's it's recognizing that what you just said that like you can do hard things and it feels like you've done the hardest thing you know like lost a parent like way before like you should have I can't imagine losing a child you know especially now actually like being a dad, but I have this thing that now exists inside of me that still somehow believes I have enough of like a toolkit to like do the hardest things. I think that's the good 
that comes out of something like this that she's gone they're gone but I'm changed it's put me on a path to become who maybe I was always meant to become but I don't think it's like the struggle validates who we are as much as as much as just like broken you into pieces it's also like (laughs) giving me so much confidence in a way I guess it's that cliche kind of like well I survived that I think I can survive anything you know I don't know what's the good that came of it for you guys Hmm. Yours might be hard. Uh, yeah. No, no, I don't think mine's hard. Um, because <laughs> I think one of the things, and this isn't saying anything bad about how people like handle grief, because everyone handles it differently, and that's totally fine. Um, but for me, like, I mean, I just got back up. Yeah. <laughs> With tears in my eyes, but I got right back up. Um, like, <laughs> I was here. We jo- well, we joke about it all. I want you to continue, but we joke about it all the time. <laughs> all right, there, there was one specific day where there was someone had walked into the gym wanting to tour of the gym. Um, and they, uh, I think we didn't have anyone out front at the time, so they wandered on back to the CrossFit room. And uh, some of uh, some of the people on the comp team were training. Um, Natalie was one of them, and Natalie was in like full blown tears. In the middle of the workout, full blown tears. Now, to us, this this was normal, very normal. I think to me, I understood that it's more than just a tired day that she was trying to get through. I I think I always view that and see that too as like this part of your healing process, as part of your grief process. Is 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 as your therapy. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's you're crying through like your workout, not because you're doing something dangerous with your workouts, but mm-hmm. the emotion is there, and you're emptying yourself physically, which leads to emptying yourself like emotionally. But to someone who's never been here before, <laughs> walking into the gym for the first time and seeing Natalie bawling her eyes out while exercising, it's like I don't know if like. <laughs> You'll want to come back after that. Like, that's not that's not normal. That's Sorry, not boss. Normal. But, <laughs> but yeah, like what that made what that really reminded me of is is that is that that's what I see every single time. It's like even training through tears or tears before training or after whatever is like well, you showed up again. You're still here. You're asking for more. Like, and I think that's know. a. I honestly, I think that's a testament to watching my mom what she went through because with glioblastoma, the life expectancy rate is literally two months after diagnosis to two, three years max for especially for her age range, um, and it also depends on the type of surgeon that you had, the treatment that you they get and luckily I mean she had probably the best surgeon in the United States let alone Mm -hmm. maybe the world 
Um, but she, I, back to that dark humor, she would not die. Like she, <laughs> she would, was the most resilient person I've ever seen go through something like this. I mean, like she fought. She, there'd be days where like she would remember everything from and coming from like the day before where she was packing up all the coats in the closet because she said she had to go home like and then the next day like she would have a perfectly fine conversation with me and I'm like what is happening like so I think watching her get knocked down nine times she would get up 10 every single time and I think for me I took that when she passed that I was like I won't I won't succumb to all the things that come with grief and depression and not wanting to be here. Like I just didn't want that at all and fought through a lot of it because, and I think that was, I think that was the silver lining and the, the happy, the good that came out of that was that I know that I'm one resilient MFR (laughs) and I will hold, hold that for the rest of my life. Mine is like, <clears throat> I guess there's a lot of them. Yeah. Like, no one really, it might be surprising to hear that a lot of good can come out of a death like that, but there are a lot of them. But one that really, really comes to mind is um, that my dad is my rock. Like, I've, um, you guys might not know, but the tattoo on my ribs is for my dad. It's the, it's the atlas where, mm-hmm. I mean, right now, it, it the spot that it's in, it looks like kind of like a deflated beach ball. I gotta get it fixed up. <laughs> um, it was a very, very Maybe rough outline. <laughs> but I, I actually drew this, and I gave it to the artist, and I was like, I want this. So you got a trauma tattoo, too? I did. Yeah. Mine's very old. Don't we all? Mine's very old. Um, I have to get it fixed. Joe but... has a trauma tattoo. Now he has a trauma sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's of my dad because he he literally held the world on his shoulders for my brother and I. Love it. And my dad is um, my dad is. I've only been grounded one time because of I was not trying to mess with my dad growing up. Um, He's been through a lot. My dad lost his dad at a young age. My dad's sister was murdered growing up. My dad lost his best friend and my mom. And hearing my dad say, like, I know you boys just lost your mom, but I lost my best friend. Like, that that hit home for me real hard. And still with me, you know. But, like, my dad's my hero. My brother probably feels the same, and it's cool, like, as I'm an adult now, I get to, like, tap into his mind, ask him memories and shit, and participate in extracurriculars and shit um, with him now, like, as a, a real friend, and just learning about that, and I kind of feel already in ways that I'm becoming like my dad, yeah. and I'm, I'm hopeful to see how, how close I can be. I'll never be what my dad is, but I'm gonna try. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure now I can relate to that too. With your dad, I certainly can. Like, always, he's like, you know, my dad's like a rock. My 
dad's dad passed away four years ago. Um, and I remember that the day of like his, his funeral, um, my dad like spoke at it and all day long I was like, I, I feel really like comfortable. I'm not like the, the, the tears aren't there. You know, I'm, I'm not despondent. I'm not like numb. I just am like, it's okay. Like it's, it's part of life. It was almost like all the, all the, the mom stuff was like, not you're used to it. But like, you know, this is a part of it. It's not the end. It's kind of how I felt. Um, and I was good. And I know that uh, my, some of my cousins were speaking. I think my brother was going to speak. And, and I wasn't going to speak. I didn't speak. Um, but I wasn't planning to either. Um, I just said, you know, if anyone's having trouble up there, like, I, I feel good. Like, I can come up and finish reading what you wrote or anything like that. Uh and I felt like that when my brother was talking. I felt like that when my cousins were talking. And the moment my dad opened his mouth and started talking about his dad, I was like, I need to leave. <laughs> I, because it was just like, there's so much he was saying about his dad that I was like, I wish you understood like how much, like that's how I view you too. Like, the, you're just the rock. Like, I can't, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would do with Nina if something happened to Kelsey, let alone two more of her. And that's what, like, my dad did. Like, all by himself. And I just don't know how to do it. And all the while, never missed a basketball game, coached baseball. Like, I mean, for me and my brother and my sister, never missed any of it. I just, like, I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. Yeah, it's it's the relationships that grow are part of the good thing, too. Yeah, I can't. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think all three of our moms are up there right now just crying. Awesome, crying. I hope so. Oh, I don't know. My mom's crying. She was very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my, my mom probably is, yeah. My mom's crying or laughing her ass off. Yeah, they're probably <laughs> trying. Yeah. I don't know which one. Yeah. She's crying. She was saying that. Yeah. So, what else? How do we want to wrap this up? Funny. You have a funny story about it, right? <laughs> plenty, plenty of funny stories. Which one? My dad used to tell me that, uh, you know, not not during like, you know, knockdown, drag out arguments growing up, but he used to tell me, hey, there's things about your mother that I knew that no one else knows. And... You know, it took a long time to really understand the depth of like a, a best friend and like a marriage like that, um, and to realize that like 
you know, kind of now that I'm living it, that I have a daughter and stuff is like, you need to always see me and Kelsey as like her mom and dad, but she's not, you know, she wasn't around for the first four years of our marriage before we had her or when we were dating. And like, I'll never forget those memories. And like, I'll always remember and mine and Kelsey's relationship is going to continue to grow. You know, that's just not part of the, the story for the kid. And, uh, so you start to kind of understand that as you get older, but then you also realize there's some things I know about my mom that nobody else does. <laughs> and so I don't think I'm, I maybe selfishly, I'm going to keep some of those to myself, but, um, yeah, I just, what sticks out as far as maybe not one specific story, but just in whole is like, um, my dad and my mom were not big partiers by any stretch of imagination. Um, didn't drink, anything like that. Nothing of that nature. Like we didn't even have it in the house. It wasn't a big deal. It was just never. It, just, it, just, it wasn't part of our lives at all. Um, but my mom was so social. She was the life of the party everywhere we went. And it doesn't make sense. It, it, it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, you don't ever do anything. And then when we go out and we do something, the whole, like, everybody circled around you. Like, she made her laugh. But um, I know the story of her um, going out with work friends one time. I was talking to her, her work friend about this. He was telling me that um, wherever they went out, uh, it was it was like a restaurant. It wasn't like a bar. It was a restaurant, um, and they had karaoke that day. And my mom could sing. She was a really really good singer. Uh, and uh, like I said, she never went out. So they went out one time. Scary. He said I got there late. When I walked in, someone was up singing karaoke and was good. And I was like, oh wow, who is that? And I got over to our table with some of our other like work friends, and I sat down and looked up there. And he's like, I saw your mom up there, eyes closed, mouth wide open, just <laughs> belting. And uh, I like to think of that story because that's like the, you know, I always know my mom as a mom. I'll never know her as like a friend that she was to other people and as like a wife that she was to my dad. Like I'll never know that relationship, but I always kind of like to keep that story in my head because it's just kind of like, yeah, life of the party just always full of like surprises. Okay. Where do you want me? No, I'll go. Um, well, I, I mean, I have a lot from before she was sick, but some of those are hard to remember and also talk about, so we're going to leave those. Um, but when she was sick, she was in the hospital, and um, mother like daughter, she, I don't remember if this was when we were leaving the hospital. I think this was when she was getting discharged from, like, like therapy, from being, like, occupational therapy. And um, she used to uh, hoard the desserts under her pillow. <laughs> and before we were leaving, she pulled out two, two things of chocolate cake. It was chocolate cake or a brownie. I don't remember what it was, but it was the funniest thing because, like, the one, like, the one thing we have in common is obviously we like our desserts. And... Uh, my dad said it was the funniest thing he just she lifted up her pillow and just pulled out this these two things of cake and they left and he was like what and 
the other funny part about that was that every trip to the hospital we had, she would bring home like other things. Like she would take things from the hospital and bring them home nice. with her. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Like I would ask my dad, like I was like, "Where this? He's, your mom brought that home from the hospital." Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, because we need this, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck. Of course, now I'm like nonstop thinking of stories. Mm-hmm. I have a better one. I do need to tell. Yeah. All right. So. I got a second one too. Yeah. Go. I mean, go for it. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> all right. I I would have been nine or ten years old. Yeah. Nine or ten. I think ten. And we we just started. It was the end of the Little League season. It was the start of, like, All-Stars, which would have been, like, the process to get to, like, Williamsport, if you're familiar with, like, the Little League World Series. We didn't even get close to that, by the way. Like, we, we don't even get out of, like, our district. But, like, they, that was what the start of it was, right? So we're done playing with our teams just in, like, our small, really tiny town. And the All-Star team comes together. And uh, my, like, best friend through high school, Jordan, was on the team with me. And then uh, my other best friend from high school, who I met just now at these like first all-star practice when we were 10, Bobby uh, was on that team. And I didn't know Bobby at the time, knew Jordan previously, and me and Jordan were always arguing over who's faster, who's faster, who's faster. Mm-hmm. The first day of practice, we found out that Bobby's faster. Like, he could, he could really fly. But we're all close enough. We'd have races. Sometimes I'd win. Sometimes Jordan wins. Sometimes Bobby wins. We're coming home from practice one day, and I remember bragging about how fast I was. Like, I was fast. And my mom's just sitting up in, like, the driver's seat, just kind of nodding, nodding, and I won't shut up, being the <laughs> shitty 10-year-old, thinking he's, like, God's gift to athletics. And, and she finally opened her mouth and was just like, you're not that fast. <laughs> and, and I was just like, could beat you, and it struck a nerve that she was like, we'll race when we get home. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like, there's no way in my mind she could beat me. Like, I know what I'm capable. I know I'm young, but like, I know, I know how fast I am. And so we get home and like, everyone's there. My grandpa, her dad was there at the time. My dad, like everyone, my brother, we go out and it's, we had, we had a pretty big backyard, but, you know, it was flat enough. It was like, hey, we're going to race from the tree to, like, the basketball, like, hoop. Like, done. Just easy like that. Three, two, one, go. And I crushed her. I crushed her. Like, it wasn't even close. Except when I finished, I just kept running. Like, one finger in the air. Like, I told you. I told you. Like, didn't say anything malicious. Just being like confirming like what I said like I remember running around the house I ran into the house like all of that the only thing she said to me the rest of the night was I just didn't realize I weighed such a sore winner oh 
I've never bragged about myself again. Damn, <laughs> dude. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, my God. I was just like, wow, I'm the worst person in the entire world. <laughs> like, I didn't even, like, give my mom a high five after a competition. I'm like, mm. I am terrible. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, that one I, that, I, I see the humbleness, too, now, like, being here with you. Well, that's like, where it started. So, yeah. thanks a lot, Mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fucking <laughs> Um, mine. I, I told you guys like when they told us like, "Hey, mommy's sick." You know, I was nine or ten maybe. Um, I still remember like they they were trying to explain. My brother probably processed way more than I did just because of the age. But they um they were like, "This is this is cancer. Here's what it is. Like, here's why mommy's sick. Here's why she's gonna lose her hair. Here's some other possible outcomes or whatever." And then the last thing they said to us was, now, this is marijuana, and it's going to make mommy feel a little bit better. Do you, we just wanted you to know, like, it might smell like this in the house from time to time. Like, it just helps mommy feel good. And I didn't, I didn't fucking know what it was. It's yeah. like, okay, whatever. And... My brother didn't really seem to care or whatever, and they were like, we just wanted to let you know, so just that that's it. And, like, we left the room because the conversation ended, mm-hmm. and I forgot something, so I, like, turned around, and I looked in the room, and my mom and my dad are laughing, holding weed, high-fiving, smoking. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're just, and it's just such a, a memory for me right now that they're just giggling about it, and oh, dude, it's so Did funny. they ever see you? Did they see you? They you didn't see me. I just, like, peeked my head out, and I saw it, and now I'll have that memory yeah. forever, and it's just, it's such a feel-good memory, this, to see them, the best friends in real life, like, laughing about that, and being able to high-five about it, and being able to smoke in the house, like, it was just so funny, <laughs> so funny to me. And then the second one, just because I love making people, putting people on the spot, and I know you haven't heard the story, but you guys have. Um, I just recently took Taryn to meet my mom. Um, Those listening, Taryn is my girlfriend. Hello, Taryn. Um, Hi, Taryn. Hi, Taryn. I just took her to meet my mom. For a lot of people, that's probably a very weird thing. I've just been so used to it, like... Mm -hmm being able to approach that scene and whatever but for others it likely is not so i mean i knew what i was gonna do the whole time it was it's our, our nature we have a very great uh relationship with humor too um so we approach uh my mom i'm like mom this is taryn say hi taryn says hello how are you and I look at Taryn and I'm like, you'll have to excuse her. She doesn't really respond that well. <laughs> <laughs> and Taryn's jaw just drops. <laughs> and I'm just standing there laughing. It's so funny. Like, I had the tears in my eyes. And, oh, what a, what a good moment. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, there's really no way to to wrap this up partially because you know there's not a nice neat bow for it like the nature of it is that it's it's messy the other nature and part of it is that it's always ongoing this conversation doesn't really stop here we'll have many more behind closed doors 
And some that will involve a lot more laughter. Some will involve a lot more tears. Some will need to be a little more direct about what the challenges we're facing that day are. But I just feel, aside from like growth and the pieces that we all talked about, uh, maybe part of, of being so young when my mom died is that I always kind of feel young. I, I, I still kind of feel like a 20-year-old. Uh, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. But so I don't use the term kid like lightly when I say this, but I feel like the luckiest kid in the world to have like the two of you sitting across from me having this conversation right now and having these conversations for the next however long we exist. Because um, not going anywhere. The friendship's not going anywhere. The connection's not going anywhere except deeper. So, yeah, you know, I got to say it. And I love you guys. <laughs> love you guys, too. I can say it. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, not say the words, Natalie. Sure. I love you guys. 18, 18 more years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, four years. You'll get there. You'll get You'll there. Get there. Don't worry. Get there. Listen, your mom breaks everybody down eventually. Um, if you're listening still, <laughs> I hope uh, it was long. I hope you have a great Mother's Day. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, yeah. I'm going to leave you guys with that. I hope you have a great Mother's Day. Nah, go tell your mamas you love them. Um, uh, or at least the women in your life, um, you know, that you can. Tell them you love them. Uh, it can be a special day. It can be just another day. It's it's whatever it needs to be for you. Um, thanks for listening. I hope you got some laughs out of this. Um, eh, maybe it moves you. Maybe it touches you. I don't know. Thanks. Uh, we love you guys too. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>